Hello listeners, if you haven't tuned in before, welcome to the podcast for startups, wannabe business owners and dreamers everywhere. I'm Bex Ben Callender and this is Sound Advice, Get Year One in Business Right, brought to you by Sage. This week, we're going to focus on how you take your creative flair and turn it into a thriving business. I'm joined by the extraordinarily talented Autumn Rabbits, founder of Plum and Rabbits, to hear how she took the skills she learned at art school, combined them with a love of baking, and now creates the most jaw-dropping cakes and bakes. Honestly, they have to be seen to be believed. Autumn, hello. So great to have you on the show. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Yes, I'm very, very excited about it. Well, can you tell us a bit about how you got into cake making? Where did it all start? Uh, I'll give you the short version because it's very long. No, we love a long story. (laughs) Go for it. Um, Basically, I um, was in the final year of my MA and became pregnant. And I just scraped through and passed my MA. And then I... um, Luckily and miraculously met my um, my now husband and I moved up north and I made my wedding cake um, and in the final year of my MA it was quite a traumatic time for me and I actually stopped after I finished everything and I'd handed everything I stopped making jewellery um, and I kind of stopped being creative and um, after I had my, um, my now eldest biological child um, I needed an outlet really so when I made my wedding cake I made some sugar flowers and I was like oh actually this is quite fun um so it just kind of grew from there really and I had a few orders and then I was like actually I quite like this this is really good and I just took it from there and when you say it grew I got a few orders how did those first orders come about those first customers um my first customers were just word of mouth um via um, local friends um, and friends of my husband, people my husband worked with. Uh, And then I started taking pictures of my work and I set up a Facebook profile. And people then found me via my Facebook Facebook page, my business page. Um, And it, it grew from there, basically. And I started to try to remember to document everything which actually as as a cake maker is really difficult because quite often you're um, working to tight deadlines and you almost forget to take pictures and then you're like oh no I should have taken a picture of that Um, I'm sure there are many cake makers um, who are probably listening who are thinking yes yes I've done that many times. So with this business um, I know you mentioned you've got something exciting coming up and I know that we can't talk about that yet but um, but with the cake making as it is it's is this something that you'd like to grow? Um, did you ever have ambitions to make it big, maybe before you had the idea for the new thing? Or was it always the idea that you would have it as more of a, a kind of small business, manageable size, and, and not grow too big, not take on staff, all of that? I think when I started it, I just wanted to add a little bit extra to our household income. Because when I met my partner, he had two little girls, he was a single father. And I had my baby daughter and I was just aware that our family was likely to grow. And I've just, I've always worked. So I, you know, I had to be creative in some way. So, and I, and I knew that if I was going to be creative, I would have to be doing it at home because of school runs, school pickups, working around the, working around um, uh, my, my little baby who, uh, who was disabled, you know, um, so I needed to be at home. So at the time it was just, to earn some money to help to help our our finances at home to help us get through pay for school shoes which cost a bomb 
it's maddening. Anyway, so I wanted to do that. And as time has gone on, I've slowly realised that I really love running my business and I really love what I do. And I, th- I feel like I'm 38 this year. I don't really feel any time pressure, but I do feel like I've been doing this for such a long amount of time that now is the time for me to grow and share what I've learned and train up other people and have a bakery, have my own premises, move out of my home because I really have outgrown it. And I think my stress that I've had over the past week um, has been from realising that I've outgrown my space, even though I've got this gorgeous new kitchen. I've just outgrown it (laughs) really quickly. We've only been living here since last September, I think. Um, So I've just outgrown it. I I need more space. So yes, I, I, I I didn't plan to go bigger. I I liked the idea of having my own shop when I was little. I used to draw pictures and stuff, but it wasn't about cakes, it was about other things, I don't know, other other ideas that I had when I was small. Um but yeah. So it's changed. And when you started scaling this business, were you were you working anything else at the same time? I mean, I presume it was pretty much a full-time job raising your kids, but were you kind of transferring from a different career? Well, yes. I, yes and no. I mean, I'd I was finishing I was finishing off a few projects, a few um personal commissions that had been on hold since I had um, my my um, eldest biological daughter. Um, and I kind of just had to quickly finish those and then just full on kind of dive into dive into the cake world, really. Were they, sorry, are they jewellery projects that you had? Yes, yeah, they yeah. were jewellery. Yes, yeah, yeah. They were um, wedding bands and engagement rings and things like that. Lovely, sparkly things. Well, tell us for our listeners who are thinking, making jewellery, that is definitely not the same as cake making. What were the transferable skills that you could bring from all of that amazing learning in jewellery? Um, well, really, there's there's loads, really. I mean, when you... When, when I was at art college, it was about learning how to be a designer and learning how to transform your passion and love of being creative into products for jewellery. Or um, I guess actually some, some of the people who I did masters with end up doing art installations, but tra- just basically tra- transferring your passion into a, a tangible item um, and with learning those skills, those could then be transferred into using new mediums, which for me were things like icing, sugar paste, cake itself, uh, learning how to carve cake. I was, um, I did the majority of my time while I was doing my MA was um, spent doing wax carving. So I did a lot of modelling work. So actually that, those skills were directly transferred into um, the sugar paste and the sugar fondant work that I do now. And was it difficult then to learn the business side? Because clearly you've got loads of artistic flair and skills and you were able to bring that to bear in baking. But what about the accounting, the cash flow, the forecasts? How did you manage that side of growing the business? I'm still learning. (laughs) I'm still learning. Um, I, I had to learn really quickly. And I also, I think... I've learned the most about myself in this period of time running a business 
because I've learned that being dyslexic and dyspraxic means that I really struggle to hold on to information. So I've learned that I have to place all of the information that I have for any commission that I have, any work, any um, agreements that I make with anyone has to be put into my phone, into my calendar, then written into a diary and then put into um and then doubled up on with with my computer calendar as well and I also have a calendar on my wall um so uh, to mark off time where um I shouldn't be taking any extra bookings to stop myself from um getting too stressed I do make mistakes on that quite often still <laughs> because I hate saying no to people which um as any business owner will know is one of the most fundamental things that you can learn is to say no um so yeah think it's just kind of come as a trial by error I mean that's how most people learn but are you quite because you strike me as someone that is very organized because you have your system now of making sure you don't forget anything but are you a very much an analog person with scribbled notes everywhere or are you a spreadsheet person um I'm neither oh interesting <laughs> I don't have I don't have spreadsheets um I probably should have spreadsheets um, and I don't scribble notes. I do scribble notes, but then I immediately write them up because my being um, dyslexic, my my handwriting is really illegible, and I really struggle to read my own notes if I don't read it the same day. If I go back to something the next day, I'm like, ah, uh, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that word means anymore. Um, so. Uh, yes I don't do either what I tend to do is just type it up straight into my phone after I've had a conversation with a client so that I keep that information and I often ask my clients to if they haven't already emailed me to email me everything that they want and everything that we've discussed because I often find that um, sometimes my interpretation of what someone wants can be different from what they actually require no this is this is fascinating though because I know a lot of people who have dyslexia are maybe put off starting a business because they worry that it'll get in the way so hearing your hacks and how you deal with it will be really useful and inspiring for them that it's actually not a barrier I think the reason that I've just kind of been a bit gung-ho about just throwing myself into it like I'm just going to go for it is because I didn't actually find out I had dyslexia until and, uh, and dyspraxia until I um was doing my MA so I'd gone through my entire education system struggling and working ridiculously hard thinking that I just didn't understand or I didn't get it or there was something wrong with me and then suddenly getting to my MA and thinking actually maybe I should probably have a test and they said look why don't you get tested they did that for me of course I found out what was going on um, and from there on out I think I kind of almost sometimes I just push it to the side and I'm just like I think I've just learned coping mechanisms and ways of kind of just trying my best to push through no matter how much of a struggle it is, um, which sometimes works and keeps me afloat. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I'd like to go back to when you were talking about how you got your first customers. And often that's a sort of easy thing because the word of mouth, the pals of pals. But then how did you turn that into a reliable pipeline of work that was enough to sustain you financially? How did you make that jump? I think it was a combination of starting my Facebook page for business at a time when the reach on Facebook was still quite large. So I didn't pay for adverts. 
I was easily reaching a thousand people a day with my posts and that was without paid posts and that made a really big difference to my business actually especially being a small business and not being able to afford to spend 60 pounds for a three-day post you know to reach you know what 9,000 people or something um and then not have guaranteed return for that if I'm honest I think my business jumped a level when I decided to invest a little bit of time in Instagram that also helped a lot because then it meant that I had as a side note I often forget to put pictures of my work into my Facebook page albums which was a bit of a mistake whereas Instagram being all based in imagery allowed me to constantly upload my thought process what I was up to videos images of my work and I think through that that kind of grabs people's attention I also learned that if I paid for a post it was really smart to direct my paid post to my website so that my website had lots of activity which then meant that I came up higher in Google search so that has also helped me massively learning that little trick of not just sending people to my Instagram page and learning how to um, manipulate my marketing so that it's working for me in the correct way has also been really important I think in building my business. Yeah that's absolutely great advice and it's amazing how big social media is now given that it's only been around what you know maybe a decade and now it's the cornerstone of marketing for so many businesses Um, but do you ever have you figured out a way to make your actual cakes a marketing tool because it must be subtle but I can imagine that someone goes to a wedding sees one of your cakes which are just breathtaking is there any way to let those people know that you made it or is like take a business card I don't know is that is that possible or is that too hard sell what often happens is that I make assumptions so I assume that all the guests at the wedding are close friends and they're all going to be talking And I have had quite a few referrals from people's weddings, um, which is brilliant. But what really helps, actually, I've noticed, are are when venues take a picture of my cake. Like, for instance, I did a very large flamingo, brightly coloured, covered in sweets. I've seen that one with all the lollipops. Yeah, which arguably is one of my most, I think, most popular um, cakes. Everybody absolutely loves it. I mean, it is, I will say, because it's important to say, um, it is modelled on um, a caker called Catherine Sabbath, who is um, Australian. She's Australian. Um, And uh, and she's just absolutely massive. And um, her iconic drip cake which has a melted ice cream upside down on the top and then all sprinkles you know that was that was her design so um everybody absolutely loves that but that cake got me absolutely tons of attention I also did some paid advertising in a a wedding magazine can I mention the wedding magazine yeah sure go for it rock and roll bride um wedding magazine and that got me quite a few orders from that I think I'm lucky in that my work just speaks for itself. I think I I don't, it's quite hard actually, because a lot of people say to me when they look at a cake, they know that it's mine, but I can't, I often, I'm so lost in my creative process that I don't notice my own style. It's only after I scroll through my Instagram and I'm kind of looking at everything that I've done, I'm like, oh, actually I can see 
my own creative input in my work. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Also, when you're working really hard, it's really difficult to take stock, take time, review, get some perspective and get a feel for what you've really enjoyed doing or what direction you want to go in artistically because you're just ploughing forward all the time. I did an Instagram post yesterday, actually. I don't don't know when this is going to air. But um, yesterday, of me literally crying on Instagram, which I don't do very often. (laughs) Um, But um, I think it's really important for people to see, you know, when they're ordering from me, um, it's just me. I do everything. I do my admin. I do my ordering. I... um, I create everything, everything from the top to the bottom. So I kind of felt like it was important to show people an authentic side of my business. And I just, yesterday, everything just got on top of me. And I think I was a little bit nervous about today, about the podcast. And um, I also have quite a few orders due for tomorrow morning and for today. So I was stressing out about getting them all finished. And um, I snapped a fair bit at my poor husband. Um, So I feel a bit guilty about that. Um, But... um, I yeah it's it is it is a real struggle and I think people often mistake owning your own business for some kind of level of freedom it does give you freedom but it also chains you massively because when you're running your own business absolutely everything falls on you there is no one to do your uh wage to sort your wage out for you to ensure that goes into your bank there is no one to ensure that someone has paid you there is no one to go and do you know create deliveries for you unless you're lucky enough to have a partner who works um for you within your business uh, which I don't my husband works full-time so completely separate um in terms of our work lives and yeah I just think it is a real struggle and I often I, I did get loads of messages last night of other business owners saying oh my god I totally understand what you're saying I've been feeling the same way yeah so yes it's a struggle. <laughs> that's good that you've got support and people saying, I've been there, you'll get through it because that's what you need to hear when you're kind of <laughs> really floundering and just, just yeah, overwhelmed. Uh, you mentioned that um, you, no one else pays you, you know, you've got to pay yourself. Do you mind me asking, like, how long did it take from your first few orders before you actually started giving yourself a salary? Um, I'm going to say this, but you don't have to use it. I technically don't give myself a salary. <laughs> I, no way! You work for free? Yeah, I work for free. So my account kind of um, has a, a balance where I know what's coming in and what's going out. And then I use the money, you know, when I want, really. Being as a sole trader, it's slightly different. So, yeah, sometimes I do fantastically on my finances. And sometimes it's just an absolute nightmare. And I'm like, oh, I have not budgeted for that. Why did I do that? Or I'll have, like, a payment go out for... Um, have a little think one of the things that I pay like a internet you not my internet usage but something that I use on a regular basis I had something go out the other day actually what was it? oh yeah that my wordpress form so my contact form I pay for separately on my website and of course that's pay I pay every year so that's like 69 dollars once a year but I didn't make a note of that so luckily I went into my paper yesterday and I was like oh when's that going to come out and so I mean I'm looking at changing how I manage everything actually and getting an accountant to take care of it for me because I'm getting to the point where actually I'm so busy I can't I it's impossible for me to keep track of everything that's coming in and going out and yeah I think I need to start handing that over really I think I've kind of realized that over the past week 
with my little cry yesterday. Well, I try not to give many plugs on this show. In fact, we think we've never done a plug before, but you do know this is sponsored by Sage. I'm sure they could sort you out with some accounting software to help you not have a breakdown ever again. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I, I will look into that, definitely. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the Thank show. Um, and... Um, how expensive was it to get going? Because you'd think with like a craft-based business that you buy, I mean, this is a really superficial analysis, but buy a few bags of flour, some eggs, um, you know, you might be able to mix by hand at the beginning and off you go. Is that the truth? Or was there a big overhead, mixers, branding? How expensive was it to get going? If I'm absolutely honest, for me, because I'm really creative, it was actually really easy because the ingredients for cakes are cheap. What people are paying for is time and experience. So as soon as I got to a level where I felt like I was really experienced and I was really confident in what I was doing and I knew that I could, um, (laughs) I use this phrase, but it's not a nice phrase, but I kind of knock things out quite quickly to a high level, yeah. I thought now I need to be charging more because now people are paying for the level of experience that I've gained and my knowledge. I, I mean, <laughs> if you ask my mum, she's like, you should have been paying for that from the beginning because you've been to Central St. Martins and you've been to the Royal College of Art and you have a very extensive career in, you know, in artistry. And, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But, you know, my, the, the level of the level of expertise that I had in terms of cake making wasn't as high as some of my some of my peers so I didn't feel comfortable doing that but now I'm at a point where I'm like I really yeah I need to be charging double what I am really even currently now you do and you shouldn't apologize for that that you're 100% right once you've got skills and experience you can deliver on time it's always perfect people are usually happy to pay for that level of trust and reassurance, especially for big events. And you do a lot of wedding cakes uh, where people need it to look perfect. And, you know, there's only one day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think in terms of starting up and it not costing a lot, I mean, I think I did my first logo and then I found a lovely um, independent illustrator on Etsy and I asked her to do a little logo, which I then used for maybe about nine months, maybe. Then I went on Etsy again and found a lovely independent designer again, but she was a, a specifically a branding designer. And she did another logo for me, which ran with me for probably about four or five years. And then I decided that I wanted to change. I felt like it didn't reflect who I was as a person. So I found another independent illustrator, but this time on Etsy, not on Etsy, sorry, on Instagram. And she created the branding for me and is now creating the branding for a very large project that um, hopefully we'll be launching towards the end of this year. Oh, that's cool. So you're actually looking at unusual sources for creativity partnerships. You're not kind of going to Upwork or whatever, Fiverr, whatever these platforms are. You're going elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I do. And the reason I do that is because I know what it's like as an independent creative to have other people support your business. And I think it's really important that independent creatives give that back and do the same. And also it helps you create a network, you know, through my, through the, um, through B Davies illustration, illustrator, uh, through B, she, you know, I've, I've met other people off of her platform. So I now follow a whole other group of um, illustrators and I, 
I think it's really important as a creative person to follow other industries because you can get so many different ideas and it can be so inspiring. And I think to stay current, it's really important to do that because those industries are constantly changing all the time. Their influences change. The people who are in it change constantly. And I think it just, it, it gives you that little edge, I think, if, if, if you're in the creative industries to stay current. You know, it's, I, I don't actually follow that many cake companies. I, I follow what's going on in the industry, as in what's popular, what techniques are popular, but I don't really look at other cake makers. I find it often stresses me out, if I'm honest. And when you look at trends, I mean, do you get a bit bored of tears when the 19th bride asks for ombre or whatever? Do you find that you get stuck oh. in these like creative ruts? No, I Ah, oh, do you know what? I don't mind any any kind of colour work I love. Anything that's colourful, anything that's got loads of sugar flowers or fresh flowers, that's absolutely fine. I love it. What I think I do get a little frustrated with is that and it's just a fact, you know, when you're getting married, you often haven't been in the wedding industry before unless you work in it. So you don't know really what the trends are. You don't know that semi-naked cakes have been running for like 15 years. You know, you don't, you don't know that. You've got no idea. So I think, um, and, and also you, you don't know how your supplier is going to feel about doing something that has been running for a really long amount of time. So I, I, I am always very respectful of people's choices because it's it's people's preference. But I do often send images and says, have, you know, to say, have you looked at this? Have you thought about that? You know, there's this new thing that people are doing that's really fun. Would you like to have a look at that? Because often people aren't aware of what their options are. That's a really good tip to be like gentle, to do like a gentle nudge. Like, ah, oh, this is also something that other brides have found. <laughs> what is a semi-naked cake? I don't know my cakes at all, but just in case anyone listening doesn't know what that is either. <laughs> so there, there was a point where just naked cakes were really higher fashion, which is basically just you bake a cake, you slap some buttercream in the middle, and then you put some buttercream on the top, and then you cover it in fresh flu- fruit. Fruit? Fruit. Um, so you cover it in fresh fruit, and then you have maybe some fresh flowers on the side or on the top or trailing down. And that's all well and good, but when you do that, and if you're delivering at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're not cutting the cake until 8 o'clock at night, your cake is going to dry out. So you automatically lose a quarter or more of your servings unless you kind of soak, you can kind of soak the outside in like a sugar syrup um, to, to save it a little bit or kind of brush on with a pastry brush some, some sugar syrup. But in general, you then lose that outside because it's been sitting there all day. It's not nice. No one wants to eat that crusty out. But anyway, so... As a rule, as a cake maker, I say have a semi-naked cake where you have a thin kind of coating of either white chocolate ganache, chocolate ganache, or buttercream, or Swiss meringue buttercream, uh, just to kind of coat it so that you're not losing, so you can still eat that outside edge. I'm frowning because my stomach was literally rumbling as you were saying buttercream and all these other <laughs> things. I was like, shh, you're like, shh, this cake. sounds too good. <laughs> <laughs> So you're on the precipice of fulfilling basically a lifelong dream by starting a bakery. That must feel intense and amazing and exciting and daunting and all the other words. I think I'm more worried that what I'm jumping into is going to steal even more of my family time. I think that's a universal fear and certainly a fear that a lot of the female entrepreneurs that come on this show talk about. It it does seem to be something that weighs very heavily on the ambitious women that really want 
to have a great business but really want to spend time with their kids and they've kind of been sold the idea that you can have it all and yet you know the reality is that there's always a balance Um, and I should say to the listeners you've got five kids you and your husband between you have five kids so I mean that is an enormous amount of toing and froing and then fitting the businesses in around the edges yeah because our our eldest two well for argument's sake our eldest two are pretty much out the door our eldest is 22 this year she's at uni in Newcastle she's very um I'm I'm very lucky in that she's very level-headed, very straightforward, very stable. I don't really need to worry about her. She's just applied for an MA in London um, um, in conjunction with um, the NHS, for, with, which fits with what she's studying. And my uh, other eldest is has just turned 18 and is pretty much out the door to go to London to study, study um, in London University there, so art college there. And then I've got my three youngest... Um, Ava, who is um, 12 this year. When did that happen? And, um, and then um, my next, and then Phoebe, who is um, nine this year. And then Verity, who's six this year. So uh, Ava's disabled. So the likelihood is she will always live with us or near us. If we're lucky enough to, in the future, purchase a house with an annex, that'd be great. Um, so I think... You know, the age differences have enabled me to survive, if I'm honest. I think if they were all very, very young, then I I would, I, I, I think I would have struggled. Um, but there is a lot of to and froing because obviously I'm, Ava's disabled, so she goes to a specialist school, special needs school. Um, so I have to pick her up from somewhere else. And because she's special needs, she doesn't get wraparound care. So there's no before school club or after school club. I have to ensure that I'm there in the morning to drop off and pick her up. I am lucky in that the school does have a respite uh, provision, which is incredible because most special needs, most county councils have shut down the respite provisions, um, which are incredibly important because they teach the children how to become independent, which you, you need desperately um, when, when you're a disabled child to learn how to grow to the, for the next steps of, of life, how to be independent is really important. Things that we, you know, kind of take for granted are not available if you're constantly in your home environment, like how to pay for things when you go to the shop and things that as you get older, you just learn. But actually, if you're disabled, it's it's not a given. You're, you're not always going to learn that. But my other two do get wraparound provision. So there's a bit of juggling there. And yeah, I do sometimes struggle. But for, for the most of it, they're happy and, and comfortable, so that's good. And Autumn, you've talked about the, I suppose, the, the dichotomy between the freedom of being an entrepreneur, the creative output, the ability to do your work around your family. And then on the flip side, you've talked about how it, it's it's a struggle, it's quite lonely, it's all on you. Talk to me about some of the hardships that you face as an entrepreneur, because I know that when we spoke before, you said that there was a point where you wanted to give it up. T- tell us about what happened. Yeah, there've been a few times actually where I've wanted to um, just throw the towel in and say, oh, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm going to do something else or or go back to jewellery or try and get a designing job. I, yeah, I've had, you know, I've had some interesting experiences. Coming from London, I was lucky enough, I think, in London to never really question my uh, my skin colour, to question being a black woman. And it was only really when I moved up to Northumberland that I, I did have experiences that made me think, oh, people are going to treat me different, which, you know, thinking about it, that was a real luxury that I had in London, being in a real multicultural environment. It just wasn't really an issue. And then I moved 
or, or it was an issue to a point where I thought it was going to affect what I wanted to do, which in itself is is a luxury, which in itself is combined with things like, you know, I'm mixed race, so I'm lighter skin, so it's colorism as well. So I guess I probably experience favoritism on the fact that I'm lighter skin than, than some of my friends and peers, which in itself is absolutely ridiculous and awful. But then I moved up here and of course I am in a, an incredible minority. And I think in the town that I live in, I may be maybe one of five black people who live here. So I have experienced very interesting responses to delivering cakes. People assume, as subconscious racism works, people assume um, because everything in our sphere, generally in the media, is is white driven, you know, that I'm going to be white. That They hear me on the phone, they think I'm going to be white and then they open the door and they see a black woman standing there and they're a bit always quite often a little bit taken aback by that um I've also done experiments where I have been to wedding fairs and asked uh white female friends and also my eldest daughter to stand in for me and to see if the response was different because I am very talkative and very chatty and very friendly and very open to people so I didn't think it was I didn't think it was perhaps um you know resting face or or being standoffish um I'm always pretty smiley generally unless I'm crying on Instagram um so uh and and I did find that the engagement jumped people's responses jumped people signing up people sending emails after their experience jumped and yeah there's there's just always that little I think the difficulty is always just that little question mark you know when people say to me oh did you make that I'm not really sure if you know, I wonder if the cake, the other cake company, five stands down, where there's a white woman standing, do they ask her if she made the cakes? Or do they just assume that that was already hers? There's always this little question mark that's there that makes me feel really uncomfortable um, in my own skin, really. And, you know, I, th- I think if I could entirely rule it out, you know, and I felt like subconscious racism wasn't a thing then I wouldn't really ask those questions. But I'm like, did you ask her that question? Did you did you ask her whether she really made, you know, she's standing right next to it. Of course, there's only one person at the stand. It's not really going to be anybody else. I mean, I technically you could, you know, I think that people see me and they assume that I'm just a worker for someone else. I think that's what it's about, really, you know. So that makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. And in fact, there was a time where I took my picture off of my uh, website to see if my inquiries went up and they did (laughs) so um I mean and I actually I say this as in they did locally they stayed the same level for people well I I actually get more orders from people who live down south than people who live up north that's starting to starting to change ever so slightly now that my engagement is a bit better um up here and it is starting to change ever so slightly especially this year I've really noticed a change but yeah it, it was it's been strange, to say the least. And, and you know, when I felt about quitting, in itself, I felt a bit uncomfortable about throwing in the towel just because, you know, some people had a bit, made possibly a bit of an issue, or a bit of a strange reaction to the fact that I'm a black woman running a cake business. I, you know, and then I, you know, I kind of felt, well, that's a bit of a silly, you know, I can't just give up just because of that. And, and I think that's kind of what's kept me going. But It just feels really unfair sometimes when I see people whose skill level is half of what I had all of a sudden have, say, you know, 10,000 followers and they've only been running for two years and I've been running for 10. And I'm like, 
oh, it just makes me feel super uncomfortable. But, you know, in that, I don't know where those came from. You know, I, I don't know whether they're paid for or whether they've done lots of paid posts and directed people to their profile. Or, do you know what I mean? It's, I just feel uncomfortable in the grey area. I wish there wasn't a grey area, I think. Yeah, and it's the asking the questions, the, the, the waste of energy that where you don't know and then you never really feel like you've got sure footing um with people where you're like well why is this response not quite what I was hoping for is there something else at play that must be absolutely exhausting I've actually got goose pimples listening to this story because it's um it's hard enough to grow a business and try and find customers without this other thing this elephant in the room making life much harder for you I just can't really imagine how you deal with it and I suppose I'd love to know um, for any other business people who have had a similar response or have similar fears do you have any advice for them is there anything that you can share to, to 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 how you handle it or you know what what mechanisms you have in place even in your head to get through it to be honest I just keep my head down and keep working and I've had to grow real confidence in my ability so real confidence in my ability to be a creator and to think when I see people with massive followings which of course doesn't always equal product product sales and I I know that um I have to remind myself that I have to be a bit um arrogant about it almost and say actually I probably have more talent in my little finger than they do and if I look at my work and the things that I've made it is way more interesting than what they've been producing for the entire two years that they've been running so I have to tell myself and I I actually say it out loud I'm like keep going you're absolutely fine just keep going you know if you've got kids and you've seen um Finding Nemo just keep swimming just keep swimming you know like just keep swimming everything's fine it's like sharks around you and you know like the water's really dark and you can't see where you're going but everything's fine everything's fine um and you know actually if you keep doing that and you keep pushing yourself and believing in yourself and telling what you tell yourself in your head is so important everyone's talking about mental health is this is such a big part of it you know what you tell yourself in your head your brain really listens to and I've had to really tell myself you're great you're fine keep going just keep creating things that you love and that you enjoy and you'll be absolutely fine and I think through that, I've allowed my creativity just to flow. And by allowing my creativity to, th- to flow, I've enabled my business to, to grow. Because actually, after a while, after a while, I feel like I've gotten so good that people can't ignore me anymore. People can't be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. Do you know what I mean? But people have to order from me because I am the best option. That's what I've tried to create. I'm like, I just have to... It's exhausting to do that. And I... I've spoken to loads of other um, black business owners who feel the same. It's exhausting to have to be the very best to get the average amount of attention. It's absolutely exhausting. But I have a plan. I'm working to it. I'm trying to enjoy myself while I do it because I never wanted to do a job that I spent my, you know, you spend almost your entire life working. I never wanted to be working and doing something that I didn't enjoy And I think I've just decided to double down. It's great advice. And I mean, there's, (laughs) you are a stronger person because of it. I don't know that that necessarily makes it any better or not, but um, 
it's amazing what you've created and it's amazing how long I spent on your website looking at pictures and on your Instagram. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, um, no pun intended. Um, do, you, do, do you mind telling us then about one of your highlights in your time in business? Was there any one project that was so ambitious or, I don't know, you baked a cake that you sent to Dubai or something that was just the really big... <laughs> And you were like, this is the pinnacle of my career right here. Can you tell us about one of those moments? I wasn't actually thinking about a cake that I'd made. I was thinking about an experience with a client. There have been really big moments. I I think probably one of the ones that I enjoyed the most was um, being a part of um, a specific wedding show in London for Rock and Roll Bride. Um, that was really fun. It's the one and only one that they've done, which was not last year, but the year before. That was really, really great. And it was lovely to be a part of something that was about body positivity in the wedding industry, which is a massive issue. And I really loved that. But when you when you were asking me that question, I immediately thought of an experience I had, which was with a couple who, due to coronavirus, had cancelled their wedding. And it, luckily for me, it was the only one I've had to fully cancel. And because I was thinking of shutting down last year, I only took 10 wedding cakes so only a very few number which means that actually I was very lucky last year when everything shut down I was like actually it, it's you know it's not too bad I'm not um I'm not losing too much I'm probably one of the very few though in the wedding industry who would be thinking that to be honest um so they had to cancel and the groom to be contacted me and he was incredibly distressed and very emotional and I could hear that straight away and I just managed to deal with it with I surprised myself I think I thought I think I thought that if that was going to happen to me when I was speaking to other wedding suppliers I thought oh I'd probably just break down and I'd start crying and I'd be you know this heap of you know um very unhelpful in terms of being able to process what was happening and and but I just managed to pull it together and I think about because it was a Friday night, which we do, we do film night in my house on Friday nights. So the girls pick a film and we all sit together. Even the eighteen-year-old, I make sit on the sofa, <laughs> um, which is the feet. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, and they were all watching the new Disney film that had come out on uh, Disney Plus. I'd um, purchased that for them to watch, and my husband was sitting down with them, and they had popcorn. They were chilling out, and I got the phone call, and I was like, "Let me just answer this," because I had a strange feeling in my stomach, and I just went into the hallway and dealt with it, and I just kind of felt really proud of myself afterwards at not getting cross at the fact that he was angry at me and instead hearing that actually he just needed someone to tell him that it was okay to feel what he was feeling and that I understood where he was coming from and I also kind of explained to him that I could hear what he was feeling and how he felt but that actually as the tiny person that I am tiny little business I am it wasn't all about me and I could I made an assumption I said to him that I'm making the assumption that most of these feelings are coming from your experience with your wedding venue who I know the wedding venue they were with had been incredibly difficult with um clients who had to cancel and move dates and hadn't been very helpful at all and you know it, it was it was attached to that and as a response to how I to the kindness that I felt that I needed to show him that his partner then phoned me and said actually we're not going to cancel we'd just like you to create something for us in the future to the cost of whatever 
which saved my bank balance, to be honest. Um, but also, you know, made me feel like I definitely need to be in a client-facing industry. I definitely need to be dealing with people because I mm. I can do it. Because he wanted to go to war and you managed to defuse that, keep your cool. And it's just, <laughs> yes. he really, he really wanted, wanted to go to war. To and it's really hard to <laughs> do that, especially because it's not just, I mean, he was stressed because his wedding got cancelled. You're stressed because y- your cakes are disappearing and you've presumably been paid for some of them, all the ingredients, and you might have even started making some of them. So you're stressed too. And to be able to put your own feelings aside, and manage that is really impressive thank you yeah I yeah it's it's an odd one I think yeah you know it's a strange one to feel like that's that experience was you know in 10 years of making that's what stands out something that's really stuck with me yeah yeah that's what's stood out yeah well I can tell you're going to be an absolute runaway success in your bakery then because that's all face to face and that's all those moments where you're reading the person in front of you and giving them what they want whether it's a sweet treat or a smile or a bit of encouragement or some advice on a cake it's all that isn't it yeah it is yeah I'm really there's a part of me that's really actually looking forward to that um it may be slightly naive because I know you know some people just want to (laughs) fight Some people just want to fight. It doesn't matter what you offer them. They're like, I just want to fight you today. I'm feeling really cross and I just want to fight someone. I'm going to pick you. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think it'll be all right. I think it's going to be okay. I think that with the bakery, the things that I need to worry about the most are, which I'm working on at the moment, are uh, making sure that the products that I choose to make are manageable in terms of um, time processing, in terms of how long it takes me to make them. Um, so they look great, but they're not going to take me, you know, two or three days or something to, to pull out of the bag. I don't I don't need that. I need stuff that looks fantastic, but has a quick turnaround time, which means that I can then um, balance my home life as well. And also train someone up to, to make them with... Um, with not too much stress. Because how much time do you spend actually practicing, trying out new techniques, sort of developing ideas that aren't necessarily related to a commission? I usually don't. What I tend to do is encourage people to order things that I haven't done before. And then I learn that way, (laughs) which is a bit risky. I like that. You're paid um, to learn, basically. (laughs) That's genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and actually, my um, next door neighbour, who's absolutely gorgeous, uh, gorgeous um, couple with a little boy, they um, want me to do his first birthday cake. And I have never done, you know, it's called like a cake frame where you've got like this kind of internal frame that allows you to do like a gravity defined cake or um, a um, something that's like standing up. So they've asked for a Peter Rabbit cake. And originally I was like, oh, I'll just do a couple of, you know, one tier and then maybe just put some um, watercolour, which I can do really easily, and some little flowers something, or some cabbages or something. I thought, no, actually, let me do a giant Peter Rabbit. That's what I'm going to do. So that's what I'm doing for them. So I'm doing an actual standing Peter Rabbit. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Um, and I've watched so many videos on how to do them. So I'm not, I'm not stressed out about it. I'm just, um, I'm excited about it, actually. Yeah. Well, if... You've done the Peter Rabbit cake before this podcast comes out. We need to link to it in the show notes because everyone's going to want to see this enormous <laughs> gravity defying Peter Rabbit. We have to have him. So you must message us and send a picture. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, he's going to be standing on his, just like standing on his hind legs. So 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing that. Um, and just finally, um, we've got this big trending question on Sage Advice at the moment um, about how to start with no money. And I know we touched on sort of growing slowly at the beginning, but if you were going to give some advice to someone who's got, I don't know, 500 quid and that's their budget, or they've got 1,000 quid, one of those, and they are going to start their own creative business, what should they spend that money on? And um, what, in your experience, packs the most punch in terms of getting new customers building revenues profits all that good stuff i think the advice i would give is to ensure that your branding is on point and that your products are on point and not necessarily to panic about having a website set up immediately but to use something like facebook pages or instagram to get yourself out there and to spend a teeny bit of money, just a teeny bit, not masses, on um, paid posts. And then, um, because once, you know, pe- people people like to buy into, they're not just buying, into, buying your products, they're buying into an image. You're selling them a piece of yourself. So that needs to look, it just needs to look like you. So you need to be authentic in what it is that you're doing. Um, and what you're offering and the only way to really get that out there is, is by images so you know just get buy some buy some card or the advice I was given um, was to buy some MDF boards paint them white and take product pictures on those cheap and easy they're like 10 pounds or something from home base one like that you know it's not expensive and then um, spend a teeny bit of money or time yourself to design your branding so that and it, so that it's reflective of you and then I think secondly to those things, just to maybe hire a bookkeeper or an accountant as soon as you start having money, you know, or, or paying for a package to take care of it for you. Because <laughs> if you don't, then it is a real slippery slope and it's going to be really hard to manage your incoming and your outgoings and understanding what is profit and what isn't profit. I feel like that's you giving yourself a bit of advice there. I need to know that's you saying I need to look at it. That is... <laughs> That is. That's my next step. <laughs> and, and just finally, please tell me that you put your picture back on your website after taking it off. Tell me that it's back. And Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've got a picture of me on my wedding day on my website at the moment. And there were a few pictures of me working in my new kitchen as well that um, my friend Fiona Saxton took, um, took of me. She's a professional photographer. She's brilliant. So she just popped in and took some pictures um, of me working in my kitchen across Christmas. Which was well, great. that makes me very happy. Yes. And uh, I'm delighted Thank that you, you did that. Um, Autumn you are a star thank you so much for coming and speaking so honestly about the reality of growing a business about a creative business what goes into it the blood sweat and tears but also the joys and the flexibility that you got out of it I've learned a lot I'm sure our listeners will too thank Thank you you. thank you thank you for having me it's been great to um talk about my experience thank you for listening you can find autumn on instagram at plum and rabbits cake studio so go and check out her mouth-watering creations and please let us know what you think of sound advice we're on twitter at sage uk instagram at sage official and linkedin just use the hashtag sound advice podcast so that we can find you As always, the show notes and lots of other useful content are available at sage.com slash podcast. And for more advice about creating and scaling creative businesses, subscribe to our Sage Advice newsletter. All right, see you in two weeks.